This morning, I'm going to share with you out of Genesis 38. And this will either be the most bizarre and worst miracle offering sermon you've ever heard in your life. Or it may be one of the most memorable, but I couldn't get away from this chapter in Scripture. And I really felt like it was, uh, in many ways, a prophetic reminder of what season we as a church family are about to walk into. With that being said, it's a little spicy, so if you would just hang with me over the next 25 or so minutes... I'd love to share with you what is on my heart and what I believe God would be saying to the Pursuit Northwest as we get ready for a season of impossibilities becoming possible by the power of God. Genesis 38, starting in verse 27, the Bible says this, now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were in Tamar's womb. Do you know that there are only two times in all of scripture that twins are ever mentioned? The first is in Genesis 25 when Rachel is pregnant with Jacob and Esau. And the second is in Genesis 38 when the Bible records twins were in Tamar's womb. I don't know about you, but I am particularly struck by the way that verse 27 begins. It is written as almost a poetic beginning by Shakespeare himself. Now it came to pass in the fullness of time when the flowers were blooming and the spring harvest was at its best. A beautiful moment in all of recorded history. Tamar discovers she is pregnant with twins. Now it came to pass. But how did this pregnancy came to pass? I'm glad you asked, but you won't like the answer. This is one of those Bible stories that never makes it into the children's Bibles that they hand out in Sunday school because it is X-rated. It starts with a man named Judah who had three sons, each more dysfunctional than the next. The first was named Ur, the second was named Onan, and the third was named Shelah. They were professional losers. They looked like men on the outside, but beneath the thin veneer of their adult-like features, their development was delayed, their maturity was non-existent, and their spirituality was depraved. It's interesting, in the Hebrew, the name Ur, the oldest son of Judah, meant wild ass. And he was one. And Ur married Tamar. But he was so wicked, God killed him. And in that culture, if a woman's husband was to die without them first having children, the woman would be given to the next oldest brother. So now... Tamar has the unfortunate privilege of being wed to the second son, a man named Onan. And Onan is even worse. 
His name means pain or iniquity. He refuses to impregnate Tamar, not because he isn't capable, but because the Bible records that he rather please himself than please his wife. So God kills Onan as well. She's 0 for 2. <laughs> but this presents to us a problem. Tamar is still without a child, and the last brother that she can marry is too young for her. So she finds herself as a childless widow in a foreign land who can't stay married for longer than the honeymoon because God keeps killing her husbands. Now hear me. The next time God kills a relationship, trust him. He's likely saving you from a wild ass in some pain and iniquity. Stop wasting time grieving that which God saw fit to kill. Because the only thing worse than being alone is wishing you were. See, similar to what Tamar experienced with her relationships, we got an epidemic of adult-sized children in our culture today. They are of age in the eyes of the law but they are totally unprepared to live in a world that does not constantly revolve around them. So instead of getting a job, building a business, or becoming an even remotely interesting person, they rather stay home, look at porn, watch TV, and then complain when they can't find love. Instead of reading a history book, getting a hobby, or learning a trade, they rather protest capitalism on the campus of their Ivy League universities while living in the wealthiest nation on earth. Now hear me. If you're in this room today and you are single and ready to mingle, hear me. Your dating life is not an auto shop. Stop allowing junkers to park in your garage with the hopes that you can fix them. You can't. And pretty soon, all your parking spots are taken up because your identity came from your ability to fix people instead of trusting in God's ability to save people. People don't need to be fixed. They need to be saved. And that's what God does best. <laughs> Every year, near the end of the year, I decide what my one prayer is gonna be for the following year. And I have decided out of Genesis 38 what my prayer will be for 2024. And it's gonna be this. God, kill everything in my life that like Onan isn't producing a harvest in my soul. So then how? How is Tamar pregnant if her previous two husbands are both struck dead? Well, it's because Tamar was tricky. So she dressed up like a prostitute, seduced her own father-in-law, a man named Judah, and by process of that encounter became pregnant with twins. And when Judah finds out that she is pregnant, the Bible records that he tries to set her on fire. Your holiday family drama has literally nothing on this story from Genesis 38. I know. You have a crazy uncle who believes the earth is flat, but I promise 
you will survive Christmas dinner this year. And although this story is wild in every sense of the word, I remain grateful that God still uses messed up people to advance his kingdom because that's the only type of people we got left. Now, Tamar wasn't just pregnant. She was pregnant with twins. <laughs> Watch. Two of the same substance, separate yet connected, sharing in their biology, but distinct in their identity. Now look, I, I don't know what it is like to be pregnant because contrary to our brain dead public officials, men cannot get pregnant. And by the way, never, ever, ever accept the line of trust the science from people who believe men can be women and women can be men. <clears throat> I don't know what it's like to be pregnant, but I do know what it's like to have a headache and I'm pretty sure the pain is relatively similar. Now, last week I had to take a baby Tylenol. It was so bad. And I just want you to know, ladies, I feel your pain. <laughs> that's a joke. Please don't send me emails. I just, that's. Okay, now, in all seriousness, I, I, I don't know what it's like to be pregnant, but I do know, hear me, I do know what it's like to carry vision in your spirit after seasons of hardship that have left you barren. And you got to hear me today. God gives double to make up for your drought. God gives double to make up for your disease. God gives double to make up for your disappointment. Man may have let you down. Leaders may have let you down. Life may have let you down. Church may have let you down. But if I could quote the prophet Isaiah this morning, I would tell you this. Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, 2024 is the year where even in your barrenness, your song, your shout, and your joy will prophesy that a double portion is coming your way. <laughs> Verse 28. And so it was as she was, she was given birth that the one put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and, and, and bound it around his hand saying, this one came out first. Uh, hear me. You may not understand the, the cultural implications of being born first, but, but let me help you today. In ancient cultures, the firstborn was granted certain rights and privileges that set them apart in the midst of their family system. 
the largest portion of the family's inheritance was reserved for the firstborn. And they were seen as uniquely favored by God. So especially when this midwife is helping deliver these twin boys, you know that she is paying special attention to whichever child exited the womb first because that child would be the one who would supposed to be carry the legal and spiritual legacy of Judah for the next generation. Now watch. It seems to be that way in our world today. There, there is such a pressure on being first. You're either first or you're last. <laughs> I was the first one to discover this. The first one to wear this. The first one to think this. The first one to say this. The first one to build this. It was my idea and nobody else. We are self-made. We are first. And yet the author of Ecclesiastes says, nah, there ain't nothing new under the sun. And here's my concern, if I'm being honest. When the goal of being first becomes more important than the type of person you are becoming, you can be sure God will look somewhere else for someone else to finish the assignment. Hear me, friend, hear me. We are not the first church in that building in Kirkland. We are the fourth. The first church there was pastored by a man by the name of Pastor Bob Moorhead, a church called Overlake. The church that moved in after Overlake left was led by Pastor Wendell Smith, a church called City Church. After Pastor Wendell passed away, the church went to his son and daughter-in-law, Judah and Chelsea Smith, and they started a church called Church Home. And now on January 7th, Pursuit will move in. We're not the first, we're the fourth. But I don't need to be the first in the world's eyes. I just need to be chosen in God's. Now watch, when you're chosen, you don't need to announce your greatness for God himself will make a seat for you at the table. You don't need to fear lack for God himself will provide. You don't need to second guess your calling because when you're chosen, it'll make up for how many times you've been overlooked by people who value the prominence of position over the power of God's sovereign ability to choose. And watch what the apostle Peter says to the church in the New Testament. But you are a chosen generation. But you are a royal priesthood. But you are a holy nation. Hear me, hear me. We did not start revival in the Northwest and we won't finish it. But we can be faithful to steward whatever few moments God gives us to help inspire those around us to believe for bigger things. And while the world screams, who's first? The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth looking for those who are available 
unto him. <laughs> but watch what happened. That boy stuck his hand out the womb and the midwife said, this is the one. And tied a scarlet red thread around his wrist. But verse 29 tells us the rest of the story. Then it happened that he drew back his hand and his brother came out unexpectedly. <laughs> and she said, how did you break through? This breach, this breakthrough be upon you. Therefore, his name was called Perez. And afterward, his brother came out too, the one who had the scarlet thread on his hand. And his name was called Zerah. This midwife is so shook, she finds herself asking a question to a newborn. How did you break through? <laughs> now, you don't understand this until you raise kids of your own. And they do something so crazy and so wild that you stare at them even when they don't have the ability to communicate back to you. And you say, what have you done? How did you break out? That word breakthrough in the Hebrew means to prosper, to increase, to overflow, or to spread ahead. In Genesis 28, that word is used again. When Yahweh made covenant with the patriarchs, he told them, your descendants will break forth all across this land. It happened again in the book of Genesis when the Lord blessed Jacob. The scriptures told us that Jacob broke forth in prosperity. My prayer for you today is that your increase would be so ridiculous that you got people asking you the question, how? How can this be? Every other real estate agent can't sell one house, you've sold 25. Every other business had to lay off employees, you added. Every other person I know got depressed and you got happy. Every other marriage I know crumbled and you're strengthened. Every other believer I know got bitter and you got better. How did you prosper? How did you increase? How did you overflow? How did you spread ahead? It's easy. I serve a God who doesn't need me to be first. He just needs me to be available and I broke through. I believe that 2024 is the year of unexpected breakthrough for this church, this people, and this region. <laughs> I feel it strong in my spirit. I think it is not insignificant that our first service in the new location will be the first Sunday of 2024. I don't think God does things by accident. I think when we cut the ribbon on January 7th, it'll be like the breaking of a seal for God's favor and prosperity for people in this community. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was trying to sleep last night and, and didn't do a, a very good job at it because I felt like the Lord began to speak to me. And I, I, don't know about, I don't know about you, but oftentimes the Lord will speak to me through the framework of asking questions that he will not answer. And it's really irritating. <laughs> 
and I felt like the Lord began to work in my heart yesterday and asked me the question, Russ, what if Kirkland is just the beginning of the breakthrough that I will do on your behalf in 2024? I thought, God, this is such a big miracle already. 112,000 square feet, 14 acres, 1,000 parking spots. Premier location in the city of Kirkland. The largest church campus in the entire city. A historic church property. God, I said this was already beyond my wildest dreams. He said, Russ, but it's not beyond mine. And it was crazy. About a month ago, I was driving to Bellevue for a meeting. And as I was in the car, my phone rang and I picked it up. And the man on the other line, he said, is this Pastor Russ? I said, maybe. He said, do you pastor a church called Pursuit in Seattle? I said, maybe. He said, I've got some really good news for you. I said, I am who you say I am. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, some of you may not remember this, but it was about a year ago this time, we took another miracle offering because we announced that the Lord provided for us an opportunity to buy our Seattle campus. You you may not remember this, but when we bought that Seattle campus, it was two parcels. It was a building and a parking lot. The developer would not sell us the parking lot. They would only sell us the building. We currently are leasing the parking lot, but they pulled all the permits. They're going to develop it. They're building nine stories of apartments with no parking space required. (laughs) I've been trying to work with the city and trying to call contacts. And is there any way that we could get this? I know it's not a big lot, but... I feel like this is going to harm our operation here. And I feel like God gave us this property and I've just hit dead end after dead end after dead end. The man on the other line, he said, Russ, you remember that parking lot that was not available? They've pulled all the permits. They've started work. They're ready to break ground. He said, you wouldn't believe what I'm about to tell you. One of the people involved in the project got arrested for fraud. They've gone bankrupt. The parking lot is yours if you want to buy it at a discount. My God will supply everything that I'm in need of according to his riches in glory. He said, I know you wanted to buy this a year ago, but it had been double the price. If they were even willing to sell it to you, which they're not. But now you got the opportunity to buy it at half. I said, that sounds like the way that God works. I just have this kind of like holy anticipation kind of this like spiritual expectation in my heart that 2024 is going to be the wildest year on record for the pursuit and the people of God in the Pacific Northwest. And we haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) It was crazy, Lighty. 
beginning of last week, me and you was driving to SeaTac to get on a plane, fly down to Los Angeles. We were filming on TBN and then had some meetings we had to do afterwards. And we caught one of them early flights out of SeaTac, 6 a.m. I don't even know if the Lord is awake at 6 a.m. I know I'm not. I'm not even born again before 10 a.m. It's just not, we tired. Just did Sunday all day, long services, flying out Monday, exhausted. Finally, we make it through security. We got our carry-on bags and we're headed down one of the long escalators. Me and Lydie is just chopping it up, talking. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise behind me. Pow, 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 pow. And I'm like, this is too early for miracles. What is happening? I turned around, God is my witness. Some gal with her suitcase, head over heels, rolling our direction. Now it was early and I was so stunned, I didn't know what to do. Obviously you wanna help, but I mean, I'm not much help. <laughs> and she was at the top and we was near the bottom and this was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Pow, 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 pow. So I like put out my hand like this, like it was gonna be helpful, you know? I'm like, please stop, you know, whatever. And eventually, you know, she came to a little bit of a rolling stop and, and, uh, and was not feeling too well after that. But it kind of just reminded me a little bit of maybe this topic we're talking about this morning. Because I think breakthrough is always a sound before it's a reality. And those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, I can't tell you how many text messages, emails, calls I've gotten from people who are like, I can't get this out of my spirit. I feel like breakthrough is coming. It was so annoying when we got under contract on the Kirkland building, because we couldn't say nothing about it. For weeks, we was on NDAs, couldn't, sign, couldn't say nothing, whatever, you know, and I had no less than 12 different prophetic leaders from around the nation who had no idea what was going on. Call me saying, Russ, this is really weird, but I had a dream about you last night and you were walking into a large church property in Kirkland. Does that mean anything to you? And I'm like, oh, no, no. Uh. And then when we made the announcement, they're like, we knew you was lying, you know, and I'm sorry, or whatever. It's always a sound to the ear inclined to heaven before it's a reality that is birthed on the earth. That's why the Bible says God does nothing before first telling his prophets what's about to be released. I'm telling you today, I have heard the word of the Lord for the pursuit Northwest. 2024 is a year of unexpected breakthrough for this community. And we are just beginning to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, why don't you stay standing as we close? I was praying and thinking this week about miracle offering and I never wanna take a miracle offering for something that ain't a miracle. <laughs> but Kirkland, a miracle. Last year, about this time, we took miracle offering for Seattle. And in about one day, we raised $1.3 million. <laughs> And it gave us enough money to make the down payment and move in. 
I'm asking the Lord, God, what should I have faith for? Now hear me clearly. I'm not saying this as a prophetic word. I'm just saying what God gave me permission to have faith for. And I felt like, God, man, could, could we have another miracle and do another 1.3? And the Lord said, go to Genesis 38, dummy. I said, okay. He said, in Tamar's womb, it wasn't one, it was two. I feel like I got faith today, not for 1.3, but for 2.6, a doubling. That if we would add our faith together, God would open a window of abundance and pour out what we could not possibly contain. Friday night, I got a phone call from an Assembly of God church in Arkansas. They said, we watched your announcement on Sunday. Are you adding a campus in Kirkland? I said, we trying. He said, the Lord spoke to me. We're taking a special offering for pursuit this Sunday. We're believing for revival in the Northwest. And Assemblies of God Church in Arkansas. Arkansas, a different nation than Seattle. But he told me, he said, when I watched that announcement, I felt the wind of God. <laughs> I felt the Spirit speak to me. Like, I need to partner with this. Now watch, watch, watch. Watch what the scripture says. The midwife says to Perez, how did you break through? From here on out, breakthrough will be upon you. Now watch what this pastor said to me. I wanna sow in to what you're doing in Kirkland. So the breakthrough on your house becomes breakthrough on my house. <laughs> From that day forward, Perez would be known as one who walked in a breaker anointing. You wouldn't hear about Perez again until you get to the New Testament. And in the first few chapters of the book of Matthew, where the genealogy of Christ is recorded, you find Perez's name popping up. Do you know why? Because Perez was the great, 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 great grandfather of a man named King David. And Jesus, the Messiah, would be known as the one who roars like a lion from the tribe of Judah. <laughs> we don't gotta be first. We just gotta be available. We're in sales. God is in management and it is his job to build this church, but it's our job to partner in faith. I wanted to show you the totals from the last two services, incredible. We have already raised
We still got three services to go. I'm confident my God will supply. Now let me be honest with you. I never ask you to do something that my wife and I personally are not also willing to do. We gave in the 8 a.m. believing that God will continue to honor, bless, cause every need to be met. I'm asking you to use your faith today and believe alongside with me, my wife, our team, because every dollar you give, every prayer that you pray, every hour that you volunteer represents another prodigal coming home. It represents another family getting reached. Hear me, hear me. Listen, I'm not trying to do like an emotional financial appeal. You just gotta hear me. The vision is not a building. Buildings facilitate the vision. Buildings are not the vision. <laughs> the vision is a region encountering the presence of King Jesus until our God makes the devil pay for every year of barrenness from the bride of Christ. That's the vision. And if we each do our part, our God will supply. I wanna pray for you. And then in a moment, I'm gonna call you to the altar for those who are prepared to give. We've got some pledge cards as well on the altar. Some people may be coming today and they're not prepared to give, but they can make a commitment to give in time for our grand opening, Jan 7. These pledge cards are available to you on the screens to my left and right are ways that you can engage in giving. And I wanna thank you for your generosity today. Let me pray for you. Father, now in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you not for my people, but for your people. God, I thank you for the prophetic promise of scripture. God, I thank you that there has not ever been one time in all of recorded history where you have failed and you will not start now. God, we thank you that you are faithful to a thousand generations and you'll be faithful to this generation too. God, I thank you that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness there within. That you own the cattle on a thousand hills. The streets in your city are paved with gold. That you sit before a glassy sea and on your head hangs a rainbow crown. And the God who owned it all in the first place now releases it in greater measure to his servants and stewards below. God, I pray that supernatural abundance and generosity would be one of the key characteristics of this revival movement. And God, today I pray Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We'll be quick to obey, but speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Father, we love you, we honor you. We thank you for the sacred privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. 
not perfect, but beautiful to you. God, we say, do your best work in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In a moment, I'm gonna count to three. If you're here today and you'd like to partner with us in generosity, I'm gonna call you to the altar. And let's do this today as a church family. If you're here today, you need prayer for any reason. We got altar workers up here as well. Be a great day to put faith in Christ, get healing in your soul, mind, body. Whatever you're in need of, our God is more than faithful to do it on your behalf today. When I count to three, if you're here and you wanna partner with us in generosity, be a part of the miracle, be a part of the breakthrough, come to this altar. Here we go, one. Here we go, two. Here we go, three. Come on, let's come to the altar. Let's do it together as a church family today. God bless you in your generosity. Thank you for believing with us. Hey, thank you so much for joining us here uh, for an, just a, an incredible word from Pastor Russell. So encouraging. You know, we are declaring breakthrough over this house. We are declaring breakthrough over your house, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, breakthrough is coming. You know, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you know, just a powerful, encouraging word. You know, I just want, I want to run through a wall right now. Absolutely. I think God ordains days and times and seasons, and this is one of those days where being a yeah. part of sowing into what God wants to do isn't about pursuit. It isn't about a building. Yeah. It's about seeing people's lives change. And what an awesome opportunity we have to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you if you need prayer for breakthrough, drop it in the comment section below. Share this uh, this feed with your friends, your family, this encouraging word. We love you guys so much. Have a great week, and we will see you soon. God bless.